Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode number 56. You know, Ryan, people often ask uh, ask us about our minimalist wardrobe. So today we're going to talk about clothing. Now, Now, we are only clothing experts insofar as that, well, we both wear clothes most days. I've been wearing clothes for 35, over 35 years now. <laughs> I would say I'm an expert. Yeah, but we're also going <laughs> to lean pretty heavily on our listeners for this one. So if you have uh, advice, minimalist tips for clothing or wardrobe or fashion, we're going to lean on you to answer some of the questions today. You can give us a call and we'll air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode. That number is 406 219 Three nine. Uh, before we dive into this episode, Ryan, I just wanted to give a quick apology to our friend Stan. We recorded an episode a couple episodes ago about our good friend who who died uh, three years ago this month, mm. and I was really happy with that episode. But you and I, and, and I know Sean as well, our, our stalwart produce, producer here, he uh, he was uh, tears were streaming down his face as we were recording the episode. Yeah, it was and a difficult one for sure. I, I got really choked up, and so I was really happy with what we were able to communicate in that, but I also feel like you can't do Stan's life justice in a 15-minute period. So maybe we'll make it an annual tradition to to go back you know, once a year and talk about Stan's life. And, yeah. and, and uh, I don't know, man. I think Stan would have been happy with that. I mean, I got to tell you, man, I got some awesome feedback on Twitter. Somebody tweeted me and said, hey, man, or no, it was on, uh, it was on Google+. Plus. Ooh. Your favorite platform. Yes. I well I I didn't do anything to deserve the vast number of followers I have on Google Plus. <coughs> so I, I, I don't really understand the platform very well. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. I just haven't I haven't gotten a ton of value out of it. But recently. someone hit me yeah, someone hit me up on there and they were like, dude, I feel like I knew Stan. Thank you so much for doing that. And I think that's really what we were trying to accomplish is like to to get uh, the story is staying out there, so people could feel like they knew him and yeah. and appreciate him. And uh, yeah, I thought I thought we did a good job, man. I mean, yeah, we could go on for hours, flying some of Stan's friends, and have a round table and talk about Stan forever. Indeed, next just, year. Yeah, next year, next year. All right, cool. Well, um, Ryan, less is now. Wow. <laughs> you and I, uh, we have announced our first tour date. We're calling uh, this year's tour, the 2017 tour, the Less Is Now tour. We announced a tour date in Boston. The good news is in two days, the entire floor of that theater sold out. But some of my favorite seats are still available, the balcony seats, like the first few rows. Yeah. Uh, there's two balconies there at the Wilbur Theater. But we're going to be coming to your city as well. We hope to hit a bunch of different cities in North America and maybe even internationally eventually with the Less Is Now Tour. If you want to be kept abreast of the and you want to be the first to know of any of the, the new tour dates that as we announce them, the first people who are going to know are the people on our email newsletter. Mm-hmm. So you can just go to theminimalists.com. Enter your email address at the top. We'll never, ever send you spam or junk or advertisements because all of those things yeah, suck. Yeah, that stuff sucks. Uh, one last thing before, before we dive in, Ryan. We just announced this. So our most popular line from 
the documentary is the last line. It's the line that we that we use on uh, to end this podcast each mm-hmm. time is love people and use things because the opposite never works. And our good friend Jessica Williams, she she suggested that we turn that into a beautiful wallpaper for our desktops, basically for our glowing screens, our desktops or the the smartphones in our hands. So we have a constant reminder that we should love people and use things. And that is now available on our website. If you just go to theminimalists.com slash love people, you can find that wallpaper for your phone or for your desktop. And if you share that on social media using the hashtag love people use things, we, we will reshare many of our favorite shots of, of your screen uh, on, on the Twitters, on the Instagrams. Yes, we may even give you an e-hug. An e hug. <laughs> that, that sounds like a really good service. It's like the Uber for hugging. <laughs> you got a patent pending. That's good, man. Right. Well, uh, before we dive in, uh, one last thing is I just want to start with a caveat. If you're listening to this and you are in the developed world, you probably don't need more clothes. That is probably true. You think that's a, a fair assessment. <clears throat> but we're going to talk today yeah. about intentionality. We're going to talk about wardrobe. We're going to talk about decluttering that wardrobe. And we're also going to talk about how do we bring new things in in an intentional manner. So let's start with our first voicemail today. And that is from RC in North Carolina. Hi. I'm a 26-year-old single mom from North Carolina. And I'm a minimalist by accident. Um, I hate stuff, but I love clothes, and I don't have very many of them, but I do like buying them, and I like having a rotation, Um, but it somehow makes me a little bit anxious, so I was wondering how to balance being a minimalist with still wanting to have a lot of clothing. Um, It might seem like a silly question, but... Um, I don't really spend money on anything else, and I don't spend a lot of money on clothing. I just I like to have options. It's interesting because I think I would have had the same sentiment, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she she said something. I hate stuff, but I love clothes, <laughs> and and that is a bit confusing because I don't know if most of you know this, but clothes are stuff. Yes. And so what you're saying is I love some stuff. But I hate other stuff, right? Uh, or, or maybe the other thing that, that she said is that this makes her anxious, yeah. right? And she likes to have options. But we get bogged down in this thing called the paradox of choice. And we have un- functionally unlimited choices in our culture. And so there, when we have too many choices, it actually makes us anxious. And so I think what she's wanting to do is actually whittle down her options, still have options, but have meaningful options. If you remember when back in the days when, when we were in sales, mm-hmm. we, we would uh, try to give customers, here's your good, better, best option. Well, there's, <laughs> there's a psychological reason that you do that, right? right. It, it's because you don't want to say, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Customer, here are your 17 options to choose from. Which one would you like? Because then it's like, uh, I don't know, which one's the best? But if I give you like, well, here's the good, here's the better, and here's the best, and let me talk to you about the, the features and the functionality of that, then what I'm able to do is present three simple options without overwhelming the person. And I think quite often what we need to do is give ourselves these good, better, best options. I mean, you and I, we tend to wear a bit more of a uniform, especially you. You uh, are you know, black 
t-shirt and and jeans almost every day unless you're at at the gym or something but even there you probably have your own sort of uniform and Mm. for me i have just a couple different uniforms that i choose from i have probably more options but it's also whittled down considerably from my my hoarding days of yesteryear i mean you'll remember back in in the the corporate world, even back to high school, man, I, I used to work a job just so that I could I could pay for fashion, right? I, I, yeah. We didn't have much money growing up, but we'd spend a lot of money on on clothes. Yeah, I spent all my money on clothes and food. Like, that was right. pretty much it. Well, and 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 I would go broke over like a fifty dollar t shirt because it had a particular logo right. on it or or something like yes. that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like I would save and save and save, and I'm like, oh great, I have fifty bucks. I'm gonna go buy this t-shirt now so I can feel better about myself. I, I have to have the Tommy Hilfiger logo on my shirt or the little... It was cool in the 90s, man. It was totally cool in the 90s, right? And and so w- instead of in- instead of focusing on, on the logos or focusing on the brand, what we want to talk about is, 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 is removing that anxiety from your life. And we'll start with RC here by saying that too many options means that you're going to feel overwhelmed. I still want you to have options, and it sounds to me like options are important to you. But I also know that too many clothes make me anxious. If I go go and look at my, my entire wardrobe from 10 years ago, I had an entire walk-in closet mm. full of stuff. And I didn't wear most of it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so there's some things that I did when I was letting go of the excess clothes in my life, uh, the, the things that weren't adding value. There were some questions that I asked and also just so, some, some rules or some experiments I set up. The first thing I did is because I had so much stuff, I went shopping in my own closet because for, I found that shopping was an activity that at the time I thought it was exciting for me, but it was actually making me anxious. It put me in that state. You know, you go to the mall and... You, all of a sudden, you, you, you feel that heightened state, the bright lights, the, the, the heart palpitations. I've got to spend this money. i got to put it on my credit card. I need to consume this thing. And so I had to change that habit by instead starting to shop in my own home. Hmm. There's so many things I wasn't wearing. And Interesting. So, so I don't know if you experienced something similar where you had just a bunch of stuff in your closet you didn't wear, but it turns out I was holding on to so many things just in case, right? Just in case I needed it someday for, for some potential experience that may or may not ever happen. And what I realized is when I started going shopping in my own closet, trying on old stuff that I hadn't worn in months there were some things I really enjoyed, like, oh, why haven't I worn this more? I really need to wear this. And there were other things that I would I would try on and put on, and I'd be like, well, what? Why do I even own this? I don't like this. It's too tight. It's <laughs> like I too... still don't fit into this. Right. Why am I holding on to this? Well, yeah. I mean, you remember my basement that was full of, of of boxes and boxes and boxes. Many of those boxes were closed from when I was fat. I weighed eighty pounds more than I weigh now. Yeah. So I had so many double XL shirts. What that... a great backup plan. Oh, it's so terrible, man. So <laughs> hold on to all those clothes in case you gain eighty pounds again. <laughs> right. That's a plan that I want. Right. <laughs> Just in case yeah. I become obese again, and and so. I had to obviously let go of those, and, and 
here's a cool thing though. By letting go of those, potentially someone else could get value from those things. If I, if I donate them and then someone else allocates them or if I sell them, especially if you sell them, if you're able to take the time to get on eBay or Etsy, any of these places where you can, you can sell uh, gently used clothing. In fact, that's how I often buy clothes now. When I, if, I, if I absolutely need something new, I, I, will, I will buy something that is new to me, even though it, mm. is, it is gently used a lot of the time. Uh, some other things that uh, I would recommend is our 90-90 rule. When you're going through that closet and, and doing your own shopping, maybe, just maybe, you, you look and say, have I worn this in the last 90 days and am I going to wear this in the next 90? There are some obvious uh, seasonal exceptions or what I would call just for win exceptions. I own one suit now instead of the 12 that I used to own. I own two dress shirts now instead of the 70 Yes, seven zero dress shirts. Fifty of those were white. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> Only about thirty of them were white, Ryan. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> uh, it's an absurd number because when you think about Ryan, I had I had a closet and a half full of stuff. Yeah. And I, I, I remember your closet, dude. It was like yeah. Remember my I had the same thing. Two huge closets. One was like filled with dress shirts and suits, and the other one was filled with yeah the big orange sweaters and. Yeah, right. And tasseled, <laughs> tasseled shirts that I never wore. Well, yeah. And and then yeah. when you tried them on, you realize maybe I'm not going to wear the tasseled shirt. Yeah. And, and uh, oh, what else? Did you have anything else that was in your closet where you were like, why am I holding on to this or so many of these? Yeah. Or? Oh, man. I couldn't even tell you when I was going through the packing party. I just remember taking several items that still had tags on it. And the reason why I bought them was because of the brand and it was on sale. But maybe it was like just a little bit too small. And, you know, I'm like, well, you know what? I, I, I want to lose like five or 10 pounds anyway. If I, you know, lose that five or 10 pounds, the shirt's going to fit. And I'm going to be so happy. I got this, you know, brand that I really, really like. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I can't think of one time where that plan came to fruition. I certainly like have lost weight. Mm -hmm. I've been able to fit into new clothes, um, but it's never really synced up with. <laughs> <laughs> me buying clothes in advance right it, yeah. it's a weird i mean i i kind of understand psychologically like here's my goal i'm going to get down to x size and so i'm going to buy some stuff that is that size i, I just think it's a bad plan it's not yeah. it's not really a great motivator for most people yeah. for some people it may be but but for, i think for most of us uh th there are certainly better motivators to to you know losing the weight than having you know, having a smaller shirt you know you're not going to see me buy the extra small t-shirt so i can lose some weight at this point like i could fit into that if i really want Eventually, to yeah yeah it just doesn't make sense yeah. uh we've also had a, a good place to start a lot of folks play the 30-day minimalism game and i you see all the pictures that people post on instagram and facebook and twitter uh using that hashtag uh, it's hashtag men's game m-i-n-s-g-a-m-e you can find the details to that game at the minimalists.com slash game but i can tell you it's one of the things that people start with. It's one of the things that I started with was I had excess clothes I wasn't wearing. It's one of the things that stressed me out. And letting go of those clothes, especially the stuff I hadn't worn in forever, that was an easy first step for me. Because I'm like, I know I'm never going to wear this particular shirt. Or I don't need this pair of pants that I haven't worn in two years. That's a really easy place to start is letting go of the things you know you're not going to have. They don't have any function in your life. They don't have any purpose. They certainly don't bring you joy. They get in the way. They take up more space. They require you to have more space. And so the 30-day the minimalism game is a great way to, to, to get started because it starts out really easy. But then by the middle of the month, you're like, okay, what 15 
items do I get rid of today? Well, I better go back into my closet and see if there are a couple pairs of socks. And, and oh, why do I have this underwear that is this color? I, I need to get rid of that, right? And uh, one last thing I did, Ryan, that, that helped me out to help me really uh, truly identify what I was wearing in my mm. closet was flipping the hangers around. So mm. I'd go, I went into my closet and I flipped every single hanger around. This is when I was living in uh, downtown Dayton. Uh, and I flipped all, and so I had already radically simplified my life, but I, I had flipped all the hangers around in my closet. So you had these dress shirts and, and other shirts and sweaters and things that I, that I hung. And what I realized throughout the month is Every time that I would wear something, I'd flip the hanger back around so it would be facing me. And over the course of, of one month, there were so many things still on the hangers that were flipped around that I had not used. And the weird wow. thing is the hangers that were flipped around, I was often wearing some of those things two or three or four times in that month. And it turns out those were my favorite things. Mm. And I was able to let go of the other things that wow, I'm not actually going to, I'm not going to use these. Now, again, there were some just for win items. Uh, you have some snowboarding equipment you're not going to use in July. Right. I have a suit that hopefully I don't have to use every 90 days. You have a big puffy jacket. I do have a, a big puffy <laughs> you're jacket. you're not going to wear during Jul in July, yeah. No, definitely not. And and so um, what, what I've learned is with like with the suit, for example, Yes, I'll wear that to a wedding or I'll wear it to a funeral, but I, there are occasions where I actually do wear that. And so maybe that 90-90 rule becomes a 120 rule or a 180 rule. And that rule is malleable uh, depending on, on your particular circumstances. Yeah, I think uh, you know when it, when it comes to RC's question about the clothing rotation, certainly Project 333 I think is a great a great way to have some variety without having a ton of clothes. Mm -hmm. uh, Courtney Carver over at it's. You, you can just go to, to theminimalists.com slash Courtney. All the details are right there. Yeah. And uh, we'll no, put a link to that in the show notes too. Yeah. It just basically, you know, gives you uh, a rules to go by. And um, I, I think it's, it's, you can have, it doesn't include accessories, right? It does include accessories if it, you want it, but that's the cool thing. If you want it to, right? Yeah. Well, so, no, well, yeah. So basically you pick 33 pieces of clothing for, uh, three months, right? Um, I don't think accessories count. I think it's the shoes that they do count. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> regardless, uh, the way that Courtney describes it in the um, in the documentary is essentially like everything's great until you get to the shoes, uh -huh. and that's where like she'll you usually lose people, right? Because you know, so, like Mariah, she loves her shoes. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it does put these parameters around it. But what it does help you do is pick choose. Pick and choose your favorite things and come up with some cool combinations. Um, the other thing I would say, too, is try some clothing swaps, RC. Uh, get get together with friends. I'm sure uh, there is, uh, if you're near a big city, there's going to be a clothing swap that even if they're not your friends, you can probably find it, up, find it on meetup.com or uh, just different places I know that they offer that where you get a bunch of gals and or, or maybe a bunch of guys together maybe they can do a clothing swap this is what josh and uh our friends used to do in high school we totally. would get together and trade each other jeans and tommy hilfiger shirts and right. so forth and so on um but yeah i know uh mariah like and her friends have done this before um but that's certainly a nice way to get some rotation and without going out buying new clothes and 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 uh adding to your hoard it's kind of a you know one in one out type rule there where you're you're trading basically for for clothes so yeah there's Plenty of options out there to, to, to get some variety, which I think is really important. Um, you know, and I hate to like 
just you know single out women, but I think it's important for women to have variety. Like I, I wouldn't expect Mariah to wear blue jeans and a black t-shirt every single day yeah but if she wanted to it'd be fine you, absolutely you're, you're not going to criticize her no that. absolutely not, not absolutely judge. not but you know that's not that doesn't work for everyone I, I do think it is a important to find a way to have variety in your clothing for it, sure it's funny you say that ryan because one of the the, the criticisms we often get about our wardrobes i could never be a minimalist i can't wear all black it's like well whoever told you that to be a minimalist you have to wear all black i don't wear all black all the time either um, I wear a fairly simple wardrobe, but if you love pink and yellow and purple and orange, so be it. Throw on that Kooji sweater and, and be happy about <laughs> it, right? Uh, the, the point isn't to, to remove all color from your life. It's about to be intentional with what you enjoy, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you're bringing things in or letting go of things, the question is, does this serve a purpose or bring me joy? That's how you know whether or not something adds value to your life. Take a shot. <laughs> I mean, get rid of something. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's the minimalist drinking game. Every time we say add value, you, you, yes, you take a shot or get rid of something. Yeah, or, or yeah, <laughs> or preferably do what Colin does and blend up your guitar and take a shot of it. Yes, indeed. So, uh, one last thing for RC Ryan. It reminded me of this essay I wrote a long time ago, but it's in our book Essential, which came out a couple of years ago. It's an essay collection of 150 essays about living a more intentional life from 12 different categories, but one of those categories is stuff. And there's a couple essays in there about clothing in particular. Uh, This one is called The Favorite Clothes of a Minimalist, and it has two Jack Johnson quotes in it that really resonated with me. It starts with this Jack Johnson quote. It says, look at all those fancy clothes, but these are going to keep us warm just like those. Amen. And so I, I look at my clothes now and I say, "Does what's the function of this thing? That's what's most important first. I still want it to look good for sure. Uh, that's important to me. But it, what's more important is is comfort and functionality as opposed to, well, I'm going to put this piece of cotton around my neck because that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. Uh, I used to have to wear a piece of cotton around my neck five or six days a week and and that was fine for the time. And I also think it's important to, to note here, when you're considering your wardrobe, consider what is it for? What is the function? If you're attending business meetings and you have to dress up for that type of thing, of course, it's probably going to look different from what Ryan and I are, are wearing right now, which um, actually, if you take your phone out and look at your podcast app, uh, you see the picture of me and Ryan. That's exactly what we're wearing right now, except Ryan has, has a beanie on on top of that. So A beanie or a toque or a toboggan yeah, well, or a skull cap, depending on where you're from. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, well, uh, so we can give a shout out to Robin who hand makes uh, uh, Ryan's hat that he's wearing right now. What does this call it? A hat? Yeah, it's a hat. Yeah, yeah she makes hats. Dot com is uh, Robin Vine's website. And yeah, she, she knits some really nice, nice hats. She has to knit one for me about once a year. Because I like to, I like to accidentally donate mine. Yeah. Once a year, you're adding accidentally adding value to. <laughs> I'll be on like a ski hill and like lose the hat, and then yeah, or uh, or yeah, I was at a concert one time and I could have sworn someone stole it. <laughs> <laughs> I set it down with my jacket. I went to go get my jacket. The hat was gone. Uh huh. Anyway. So uh, this favorite clothes of a minimalist. Uh, the question that I start the essay with is, what does a minimalist wear? I'm surprised I get this question as often as I do, as if people expect me to be walking around in a loincloth. But given the many misconceptions surrounding minimalism, it is a valid question. Simply put, a minimalist wears his or her favorite clothes every day. 
And then I just go through a list of, of what I wear each day, and we'll talk about that in a moment. And the the thing that I, I, I won't read the whole essay here. You can check it out. In fact, um, RC, I'll, I'd love to send you a copy of Essential. Like I said, it's 150 different essays. Sean, if you could either send her the book version of that, the, the print or ebook, or we it just came out in an audio book as well, read by the talented Justin Mollick. Uh, so if you have an Audible download code, maybe you could send that over to her. But I, I end the, the uh, essay with this. I don't have many clothes now. And I still go to the Goodwill a few times a month to donate an item or two. In fact, um, now I tend to go once a month. I, in fact, I have it scheduled at the beginning of the month. If I'm not wearing something anymore, it gets donated. But I thoroughly enjoy the clothes I own. I don't, however, give sentimental meaning to my clothes. Mm. If all my clothes burned in a house fire tomorrow, it wouldn't be a big deal to me. And the follow-up essay to that, is, is, there's an essay called... Uh, what if you accidentally spilled bleach on half your wardrobe? Which sounds like the most absurd hypothetical question. How could you possibly <laughs> spill bleach on half your wardrobe? What a know, stupid Josh, question. Tell us, how could you do that? <laughs> well, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> the year is 2012. <laughs> we just finished a long tour. Uh, I remember you calling me. <laughs> You're like, dude, I was putting a bunch of colors in. <laughs> and I forgot I had colors in the washer. <laughs> Yeah, I well, thought they were white, so I poured a bunch of bleach <laughs> on them. <laughs> yeah, was, and I remember, like, and so actually, I'll read the last paragraph of that essay, um, and just because it's it's a little bit longer. But I'll just read the last paragraph. It, sure, half my attire is ruined, but everything's fine. I'll replace some of the clothes if I need to, but my closet isn't upset, and nor should I be. Those clothes were just clothes. They're replaceable things that don't have any more meaning than the meaning I give to them. There's no case in crying over spilt milk, or in this case, spilt bleach. So yeah, I I, I found that I spilled bleach all over my, my clothes, and my former self, who was so attached to clothes and attached to stuff, would have just been really pissed off, mm, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, because I, it would have probably caused me to throw things around the room, breakable things that you know, I would later have to clean up. But I, I was a little frustrated at first. Like this, this really sucks. I enjoy the clothes I have, but guess what? There'll be new fa favorite clothes. In fact, mm -hmm. when we first started the website, one of the first interviews that I did early on, someone asked, like, what, what as a minimalist, what's your favorite shirt? What's your favorite pair of jeans and what's your favorite pair of shoes? And I got to thinking about it like, well, here's my favorite shirt. Here's my favorite jeans. Here's my favorite shoes. But wait a minute. Why are these my favorites, right? Well, they're just my favorites because I say they're my favorites. They're just things though, right? Mm -hmm. And so in, in that interview, I, I gave away my favorite shirt, my favorite pair of jeans, and my favorite pair of shoes to, to someone. In fact, the shoes I gave away, we, we met uh, a good friend of ours now, um, uh, David William, yeah. who has done events with us in the in the past, he was uh, going out for a job interview, and he said these shoes were perfect for the university that I was that I was um, interviewing at, and so it was an unexpected sort of co uh, bit of contribution. But I realized that if I got rid of my favorite things, the things that I currently owned, they'd step up and become my favorite things. And if New they favorite things, yeah, yeah, and if they couldn't. Well, that means I probably shouldn't have them in the first place, right? Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm, I was holding on to too much stuff. So the cool thing is I didn't actually replace most of those clothes that I that I ruined because I, I have far fewer clothes now and I get more value from the fewer things that I own than if I had a closet and a half full of 
Brooks Brothers shirts and, and suits and a bunch of stuff that I that I wasn't wearing. Do we have any more voicemail questions? Our next voicemail is from Caitlin. And Caitlin is in NYC, Brooklyn, New York. My question is in regards to purchasing items of high quality. I know a lot is talked in the podcast and um, saw a documentary in New York about purchasing quality things. And I'm referring um, in this question specifically to clothing. I remember in the documentary there was questions or the discussion of fast fashion, and I was wondering if you had any suggestions for brands or stores to buy clothes at that last. So, yeah, we, we can talk about brands for sure, but with another caveat. So, A, I already mentioned you probably don't need any more clothes, but the second thing is the things that work for me may not necessarily work for you. The things that add value to my life may not add value to yours. And there's a whole bunch of different reasons. One is we're all shaped differently. I'm six foot two, 160 pounds. And so the things that fit me probably won't fit you if you're of a different size. Sometimes they might. So, But keep that in mind. Same thing with Ryan. Uh, the, these things may not fit. We can talk about brands that we think are ethical, though. We could, Ryan, we could probably start by, by talking about what we're wearing right now, and then that's going to be typically what we, what we do wear. Mm-hmm. And then you know, how, how, do we, how do we assess you know, what, what to wear, right? So you I'm looking... Go first? Yeah, I'm, go I'm, yeah I'll, I'm, I'll look at you. and You're wearing a black T-shirt. Yes. I think you're wearing pants. I can't tell from under the table, but <laughs> yes. well, I'll assume you're wearing the, the blue jeans I see, usually see you wearing. And then you're probably, because there's snow on the ground outside the window, you're probably not wearing your zero shoes. No. You're wearing boots, I'm yep. assuming. Yep. And if they're the normal boots you wear, they have these bright orange laces in them. Yes. So They uh, pop real nice. <laughs> that's your, yeah, that's your pop of color. And then you have some mismatching socks, I'm guessing. Probably, yes. <laughs> I, did, I forget. Yeah. <laughs> And and so um, that is sort of your uniform in a way, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, I don't think you would identify. I'm putting on my uniform. No, it's just the clothes you wear every day. You want to talk about why why you've decided to have that that sort of type of uh, of uniform that is wearing a very the same or very similar thing every day? Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> it's simple. <laughs> it's a pretty simple answer. No, uh, I wear the same thing every day because, well, a like you know, we've most of us have seen the articles on how if you have a uniform, mm-hmm. you have less choices to make throughout the day, which right. is important, right? Because you have only so much uh, brain power right. that that you can use to discern between different choices. So you know, I don't have to like you know, make those choices when I get up. I know exactly what I'm going to wear. It's something like 120 choices, difficult choices a day, and surprisingly, picking your wardrobe is takes up several of those choices. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, especially if you're take, putting clothes on, taking clothes off, putting clothes back on, yeah, there are several choices that you are you are forsaking. And it's not like you can't make choices after 120 choices. It's you don't have the mental capacity to sit there and uh, be deliberate with your choices. Uh-huh. Yeah, it so, so I, the maybe quality. a better way to say it is you have 120 deliberate choices that you can make during the day is about what the study shows. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I got an American Apparel shirt, um, although I guess they just went on a business. Yeah, they, they filed so, bank for bankruptcy. So. so you can't get American, well? Yeah, I'm sure you can still get it. it it's weird. They've had this strange okay. business model, right? They, they, well, their founder, 
uh, Dove Charney, who was sort of this clothing pioneer and, and a bit of a genius, yeah. it seemed, in the clothing world because he's the first person that pioneered like really soft shirts that were better fitting and higher quality threads and uh, made in America. Uh, but then it also turns out that he was allegedly uh, a kind of a terrible person, right? If you go and read the, the news reports, he was... Yeah, he got in trouble for some like sexual harassment stuff or something, right? He was a jerk to his Bit employees and, and, yeah, and the sexual harassment yeah, stuff. Yeah, and, and I certainly would not recommend... Well, I don't know. So when I started wearing American Apparel t-shirts on a regular basis, um, I usually have to get like seven... Because I'll go through like seven shirts a year. Uh-huh. So I'll have like a week's worth of shirts... I'll wear those for 52 weeks. You know, during that time, they get holes in them. They get super faded, which I guess is cool now. Maybe I should hold <laughs> on to those shirts. Um, but, uh, but you know, when I started wearing them four or five years ago, the quality was not that good. Like, it, it, for every four shirts I bought, I would have to, like, return or exchange one because of some kind of defect in the shirt. Right. So uh, I'm not like sitting here and getting behind American Apparel. They fit me the best, and that's why I like them. Right. And and this was, by the way, out of all the t-shirts I've tried, like they fit me by far the best. So so that the founder, uh, Dove Charney, he was forced out of the company be- because of those sexual allegations. Right. right? And so, um, and the weird thing is, when he was forced out, I think that's when the the, the quality started to diminish. And, right. and recently, it sounds like they their quality has improved. Now, I don't know if they'll transition to some sort of wholesale business where you'll still be able to order online and they'll just close all their their retail shops. That might be a possibility. Yeah. Not really sure where they go from here. Uh, if not, I can I can recommend some different brands that have worked for me, but yeah. may not work for you. I've been meaning to try the Smart Wool t-shirts. Uh, like the next time I need to buy t-shirts, I'm going to get at least one Smart Wool t-shirt because uh-huh. I hear that. Like, A, they dry really quickly. They're very comfortable. Right. And the, the biggest problem I have with my T-shirts, which is why I really ruin them, which I don't think this is cool with the cool kids, <laughs> is like, because I, I wear these to the gym as well. Uh-huh. And then, like, they just start to, oh, they just get a little odor to them. Uh-huh. Even after I, like, wash them and stuff, like, it, it just starts to, like, get embedded into the fibers. Yeah. Well, Smart Wool's great, man. My smart, smart Wool doesn't do that. Yeah. No. So that's, yeah, that's why I'm going to try that out when I, the next time I need a t-shirt. But right now, I mean, these are, these are still pretty good. The, yeah. The seven that I have. And then uh, my jeans, barbell jeans. I've had these for a month and a half. First pair of barbell jeans I've ever owned. They're the most comfortable jeans I've ever had. I can't really speak to the durability, but I can certainly speak to uh, how comfortable they are. Um, I was doing karate a couple podcasts ago. <laughs> In my barbell <laughs> jeans. Actually, someone hit me up on Twitter yesterday. They're like, hey, what's that pair of jeans you recommended a few podcasts ago? Um, but yeah, barbell jeans are, are great. I used to wear J. Crew jeans and they were they were good, like they were durable. Um but you know, I'm just I got like you know, just I'm a bigger guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having having jeans that fit me, uh it's it it's great, but I can't well, I can't do karate in J. Crew jeans, right? But right. they were they were great jeans. Though. I really really liked them, and uh, they're like pretty expensive. Actually, barbell are pretty expensive too. You know, unless you get them on sale or something, which I would do sometimes. I certainly didn't go out of my way to get them on sale, or I didn't just buy jeans when they came on sale. Right, but right. It, sometimes I would get lucky and I'd like go buy a pair of jeans. And I'm like, oh sweet, like these are you know half off right now. But uh, yeah, the problem is I will often see, well, oh man, it's fifty percent off. I should go ahead and buy this thing. Uh, no, it's a hundred percent off if you don't buy it. Walk away from the store and save a hundred percent of your money, unless you absolutely need the thing. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, my boots—I don't even know what brand these are. Like <laughs> that is awesome. That is yeah, so great. I don't even know what brand they are. I know that they are—they're uh, uh, comfortable. Uh-huh. They keep my feet warm. Uh-huh. Uh, 
Uh, they are waterproof. They they look pretty good. This, I need to replace the soles on them because the soles have like no tread on them. I f- I have fallen like four to six times in my parking lot. Oh. <laughs> I was carrying snowboards the other day and like totally ate it. Uh, but yeah, because my my tread on the bottom is like pretty pretty worn out. But yeah, um, let's talk about pretty that simple wardrobe. I think it's a really great thing you talk about. Oh, I'm not going to throw these boots out. I'm going to have them resold. I mean, yeah. there are times where if you have a huge rip on the top of a boot, you're going to have to get rid of it, right? Right. Like, you don't want water coming in or whatever. Uh, you want your toes poking out. But I quite often I wear uh, Timberland boots. Th- those are the the main boots that I wear, and I have them resold quite frequently until they find the le- the leather itself finally just wears out. Yeah. So having having uh, boots resold at a local or your shoes resold if if they if they're the type of shoes you can have resold is is a very responsible way of of keeping those shoes around for a long time. Mm. Yeah, you can wear the same pair of boots for many many years every single day if you if you're willing to take good care of them and and have them have them resold i um so yeah i'm wearing some timberland boots right now i'm wearing uh smart wool socks that keep my feet from stinking in in the winter i don't necessarily wear them in the summer i've never tried i've had people tell me like yeah wearing nice wool in the summer will help actually keep you cooler so uh might be something that i'll that i'll try out for sure the pair of pants I'm wearing right now are from Mission Workshop. They're based out of San Francisco. I like that company a lot. They make some awesome bags. Yeah, you you had their bag for a long time. In fact, Mariah's using. I think Mariah is using your yeah, Mission I've, Workshop bag. Yeah, as well. I've got the Manal bag now. Um, but uh, yeah, she yeah, I gave her the Mission. I got, I actually got those Manals off of you, so I could give her my Mission Workshop bag. Oh, nice! Because you you traveled all around Europe for about a month mm-hmm. and and had the those bags with you, and the only thing you carried. By the way, for people who are listening. If you want links to all the stuff we're talking about, you can just go to the show notes at theminimalists.com slash podcast. Or if you sign up for our email uh, newsletter, we send out all the notes to everyone whenever a new episode comes out. So you won't miss any of the show notes. So anything we're talking about today, I'm not going to start rattling off a bunch of websites. You'll be able to find it in the show notes. Uh, Yeah, Mission Workshop uh, are the pants that I'm wearing. And they fit me really well. I'm imagining I have really, really, really thin legs. Mm-hmm. These pants would not fit you very well. Probably not. Because you're a big manly man mm-hmm. with That's your right. with your big calves and but these uh the, they, they make different pants, but they're really high quality. I can I exercise in these. I could do yoga in these if I wanted to. Can you to. do karate in them? I, I could do I don't I wouldn't call what you do karate, Ryan. Whatever. I would call it like interpretive karate. Well, can you do interpretive karate? <laughs> I could. Sweet. I, I don't know if I should though. <laughs> so yeah, uh th- these pants work really well. They have a, a great um uh cell phone pocket on the side, which keeps my phone and the emissions away from my private parts, which is really good. Uh also keeps me from sitting on it. Uh, and I, t- I tend to keep my phone in airplane mode anyway, but, uh, if not, it's there in my, in my, uh, side pocket that zips up and they're just really comfortable, man. I wear them every single day. They're black. They have a couple different colors. Uh, I think the one I'm call- wearing is called the signal pants. I also own a, one other pair of pants, the division pants also from mission workshop. The, uh, sweater I'm wearing today, or actually underneath the sweater, this is a used, uh, t-shirt from save khaki. One of my, my favorite t-shirt brands. I got it used on eBay, though. And so that's one of the things I like to do. If I need something 
I'll see if I can first get it used because I think it's one of the most responsible ways to to purchase gently used uh, uh, clothes. It's still new to me. Mm. The, the The cardigan I'm wearing is from Everlane, and I really like what uh, Everlane does. Everlane has this transparency policy or transparent pricing. They'll tell you exactly how much it costs for them to manufacture the thing, and oh, they'll wow. show you all the costs that go into manufacturing it. So say this sweater costs, I don't know, $90 or something, and I've worn this sweater for years. They'll show you the 50, how it costs them $50 and then their, what their profit margin is on, on top of that. And so it's trans, cool. radically transparent pricing. Some other shirts, Ryan, that you might want to try if uh, you're not able to get the shirts that you're wearing anymore. Uh, Michael Stars, they're made in the United States, and they're really super comfortable. I was wearing one of cool. his or their T-shirts yesterday. Michael Stars is, has been a, a good brand for me. So Save Khaki, Michael Stars are, are the T-shirts I, I personally enjoy using. But now, I've never got anything off of Everlane. Is, it, is Everlane a brand or is it a supplier? It's a brand. Okay. Yeah, and, and they make really good T-shirts as well. Uh, so the folks at our, at our coffee house, Bandit Coffee Co., um, Joshua Weaver and his wife Sarah they've actually done some photo work for them in the past but they um oh, wow. th- they do really beautiful minimalist clothing uh and and, and source it in, a, in an ethical way I don't think they make everything that they make in the United States but that's okay they they still find ways to make it ethically out, outside of our outside of our borders um the coat that I wore here today is from Patagonia and I'm I, I won't beat you over the head with their with their story but i would really encourage you to go check it out uh yvonne who who the guy who started the company he is just amazing and his ethics for his company are beautiful he wants to make really great items that last a lifetime in fact they send a van around the country and repair your stuff for you so my patagonia coat rips in time or something wears out they will repair uh, something on it for me even if i've owned it for 20 years and they also encourage people to not buy their stuff. I love it. Brand it's like, new. It's like their advertisement. You do not need this jacket. Right. Right. And what they'll say is buy our stuff Genius. used if you have the opportunity to buy it used. Get your stuff fixed instead of buying something new. And when you actually do need something new, then we are here for you. Also on Black Friday, they did something really cool, Ryan. They donated 100% of their profits. That was awesome. Uh, that so was really cool. All man. the money they made on, on Black Friday, they donated that to charity. Uh, Everlane in the past has closed on Black Friday. So we, we just mentioned Everlane a moment ago. They'll, they'll close their website. You go there on Black Friday or maybe it was Cyber Monday or maybe even both. And it says, sorry, our website is closed. Uh, our REI, which is the, the retailer that sells a lot of Patagonia stuff, they, they closed on Black Friday. They have this whole opt outside campaign. They, instead of just opting out of Black Friday, it's, hey, get outside while you can. It's yeah. Black Friday. Everyone else is shopping. Why don't you spend some time doing something more intentional with your day? So I, I just really enjoy when different companies do do different things like that that are contributing to the greater good. In the summer, uh, speaking of contributing to the greater good, in the summer I tend to wear Tom's, uh, Tom's shoes. They work really well for me. They're my favorite walking shoes, actually. Dude, I know you wear Zero my, shoes. Yeah, my feet. 
stink so bad when I wear Toms. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you need some like smart wool socks in the Toms. Something, man. No, yeah, yeah I wear the zero shoes because my my feet can sweat freely without uh, ruining a pair of Toms. Yeah, so for the folks that saw the documentary, they often thought you were barefoot. And, yeah. Or they'll see us on tour and you're wearing these Zero shoes, which is... They're uh, like, dude, you, come on, man. Barefoot, really? <laughs> I'm like, I got shoes on. They're just not very big. They're just... <laughs> they're minimal. <laughs> they're minimal, exactly. Yeah, but it, you've, no, you've really great, enjoyed man. those, man. I love them except for the first two weeks of the summer that I wear them. Because? Because, like, you... You gotta break your feet in, man. Uh huh. Because like you you're start, used you, to it. you start using muscles that you're not used to using with padded shoes. You've got calluses. You gotta you know put on your feet because it's really for, like walking barefoot, but with a little bit of protection. Yeah. So during the summer, like Mar and I will easily get like ten to fifteen thousand steps in a day, easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I will not like those first two weeks. I won't do ten thousand steps in those shoes. Like I'll wear sneakers or something around, but like I can't do ten thousand steps a day two weeks straight because like it takes. It takes some time to wear your feet in, but when but once they get worn in, like they're they are the most comfortable shoes I've I've ever worn in my life. Once once your feet get worn in, not the shoes. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so what I like about everything that you wear is nothing that you're wearing right now has any any logo on it. And when I wear Toms uh, in in the summer, I'm not wearing them in the winter here just because you don't want to get those wet. But uh, because it's just thin canvas, basically, they're very similar. They're, they're so what, what is that called? Zero step. Is that what it is? With the, with, yeah, so just like the, the zero shoes, but they're, they're zero step um, where the, the heel-to-toe ratio is, is the same. And um, what I like about those, they're very comfortable. I walk a ton in them. What I don't like about them is they have a gigantic logo on the back, and mm. I prefer not to wear logos on, on any of my stuff because I don't want to be a walking billboard. In fact, I don't want to pay people to advertise for them. That seems a little absurd to me. There are a few examples. So, so what I do with those toms is I take the logos off, right? Yeah. I just I, I remove the the just unstitch the the logo on the back and on the side, and then people often ask like, "Those kind of look like toms. What are?" They? And and it, it's an interesting conversation starter. I do like what they do. They donate a lot of their profits. They also donate a lot of shoes and eyewear, eyeglasses to uh, third world countries, and I appreciate that. I know there's been some criticism. Uh, for their founder Blake and 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 some of the things they've done uh, in in different countries, but I have not found yet that that criticism is very valid. It seems like people who who are criticizing um, may not necessarily um, care as much about contribution as that company does. Yeah, and so. Uh, but you course. know what? The two, I think some people they'll wear like the t- like they're proud of the Tom's logo, yeah, because of the contribution they do. Sure, and they'll yeah, and they, so it's you know I guess it just you know personal preference just depending on part of its aesthetics. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, I, I like the aesthetic of being somewhat logo free. Uh, the only logo I think I have on anything is my Patagonia coat that I wore into here. You can't really take it off though. Yeah, I think it would it would ruin the the yeah. front part. Otherwise, I I would take it off, but. Uh, although I'll tell you, man, in, in Montana, it's everyone here seems to wear Patagonia. It's like, uh, because it's, like, it's uh, so functional. No, what it, so it's Patagonia out West and out East. It is. What's the other North one? face. Yeah. North face. Out <laughs> east. Yeah. My, my partner Bex, she just got a new coat this winter finally after yeah. having a Patagonia coat for probably the last decade or so. 
and uh, she got she ended up getting a North Face coat because oh, okay. she, she she and she got it from REI and um, really loves it. I mean, really really simple. Yeah. Let's see what what else do we what else do we wear? Oh, we just talked we talked briefly about bags. You're wearing the Manal or you 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 use the Manal bag. I'm wearing the Manal bag right now. <laughs> 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 I cut armholes out of it. <laughs> Legos. And the spring Ryan is wearing the 2017 spring bag. <laughs> Yes. Uh, no. Yeah. I, I bought uh, I bought your Manal bags off of you because well, let's it talk about that. Great for you. I love how. So, so dude, you still have the Malcolm Fontier bag that you still use. Rice. The one that was rice. in the. I, said, I just said rice. You did say rice. <laughs> I'm hungry. As hell I was just. Right I was now. gonna. I was just gonna ignore <laughs> it. Everyone else listening to this would have ignored it too. But now we're now we're very aware that you said rice <laughs> instead of right. Ryan, Ryan, carbohydrates. Go ahead. <laughs> so. So you've been trying so hard to find uh, a better bag. And so have thousands of other people, apparently. Than that Malcolm Fontier bag. And every, well, I mean, I've only, you had the Manal bag, and then I think you had another one that you returned or something. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's funny, man, because, yes, that Malcolm Fontier bag, like, everyone asks about that. And it is a great travel bag. For me, like, I don't like the single strap. That's mm-hmm. the only criticism I have on it. And I, I much prefer it. Right, and I, and I am... Um, I am the type of <laughs> well, this is this just goes to show our personalities. The Mission Workshop bag I had was basically a big duffel bag, right. so I would like fold uh, my big I would duffel bag backpack. Yeah, b- big duffel bag backpack. I would fold my clothes uh-huh. as you know, like half. Halfway. He's doing like air quotes right now, <laughs> which really means he's stuffing. I was cl- stuffing the clothes in into the bag, but that's exactly what I wanted. Was like just you know something I could cram a bunch of stuff in. Sure. Um, where the Malcolm Fontier bag is very like. OCD. Yes, you've got pockets and like pouches and everything to put different things in, and it works really, really well. And I used it while we were on tour in 2014, and it was great. I just prefer Uh the backpack. I prefer the duffel bag part of it. But the Manal was really good for that because I think you have a little bit more space, and I think it's a little bit more organized than just like the duffel bag approach. So it's kind of like I think the Manal is like a a blend between uh, the Mission Workshop bag and the Malcolm Fontier bag, and it's still a backpack. So it works really, really well for me, especially because it comes with that little second bag that counts as a, uh, it's a carry on, right? Like your personal item. Yeah. So I got that big Manal bag from you that I could put in the overhead and then I could, you know, put some clothes and stuff in this other bag along with my laptop, so forth and so on. And it fits perfectly underneath the seat of an airplane. Yes. Yeah, so like I never have to check a bag. Item. Yeah. It's, it's, it's your man purse. It's, it's your purse. It's my purse. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Sean, our our stalwart producer, he he uses a fanny pack, just like the powerful Joe Rogan does. Yeah, I will never make fun of a fanny pack again. Now that Joe Rogan, I know, right? I know that Joe Rogan wears a fanny pack. <laughs> Put your head through a wall. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I dare you to make fun of Joe Rogan's fanny pack. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, if I needed a fanny, I wouldn't. I would. I, I just don't need it. I don't carry much with me. The the wallet that I have is a, a money clamp, which we talked about on previous episode and so I and I have a phone in my pocket and I have chapstick in my pocket and I actually have a bunch of pills in my pocket too but um that's just my like my vitamins uh for what the was my, this supplements question we were talking about um we were talking oh, brands. about that's right brands, yeah what brands. brands and so what brand are uh rice I think was the answer yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> under <laughs> our I'm, favorite I'm, brands of rice I'm going to rice no so uh, uh you mentioned my, my bag the Malcolm Fontier bag. The now, bag that everyone asks about. Now, literally over a thousand people have asked me, where did, where did, where can I get that bag that's in your documentary? And I don't, 
my, my short answer is you can't. Well, first off, we've done a horrible job <laughs> if you've watched our documentary and the biggest takeaway was, I need to get that back. It, it's funny you say that, Ryan, because I was on, uh, so we just put up that love people use things wallpaper mm-hmm. and I posted a, a picture of it on our Instagram account and back to back comments on that picture had nothing to do with the picture, although it had to do with the documentary. This, this person said, your documentary and your books have absolutely changed my life. I just want to say thank you so much for what you do. I just want you to know that I really appreciate it. And the person after that said, hey, where can I get that bag that's in your documentary? Wow. And look, I get it. We all find sure. value in certain things. And if you truly needed a new bag, that Malcolm Fontier bag could potentially be a great bag but you can't have it i'm sorry it's there's only one <laughs> left because uh malcolm fontier he started this sort of art project it was a five-year project where he made some very deliberate goods uh in uh the late oddies and early early uh 2010s early teens i don't know what you would call that mm-hmm. uh but i think in 2013 he ended that project so he mm-hmm. stopped making bags he said okay my five years are up and i'm done with that so there's a very limited number of bags that he made and put out there now, so uh, do I have anything I can recommend instead of that? Well, maybe. Eventually, uh, our friends over at clevertravelcompanion.com, they make some really interesting travel wear that I have not worn. I can't, I can't recommend it personally. But they're talking about recreating that bag. And if so, we'll, we'll let everyone know on our email list or whatever. But um, uh, until then, if you really need a new bag... If you if you're a backpack kind of person, it sounds like the Manal bag it's has great. worked out great for you. I know a lot of like uh uh yeah, Jason Zook. Uh-huh. He he has the Manal bag. I know a lot of our friends like in this in this whole blogosphere's podcast world. Mm-hmm. Um friends Is that a of podcast sphere. Podcast sphere. I thought I was gonna say that, but then I was like, just don't don't try it. Podsphere. We've already ru- we've already derailed ourselves with rice. Okay. <laughs> Um, but no, I, uh, I I know a lot of people who use it. I see them posting on uh, you know the social medias, and I feel the same way about the bag. I absolutely love it. I haven't posted it because like, I don't like to brag about the things that I have. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in fact, and again, like the things that I have, it adds value to my life. Doesn't mean it's going to add value to other people's life. And I had a lot of trepidation going into this episode because I, I tend not to recommend brands. We don't advertise for anyone. No. Um, and, and these are just things, none of these brands are paying us. No. And, and nor would we take their money, uh, for them to you know put ads. Cause on then we would podcast. have to talk about them. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'd prefer to just talk about them in a way that is genuine. Here, here are the things that add value to my life. If I were to replace that bag right now, the few companies I would try, um, until the travel, tra- uh, clever travel companion.com until they, they are able to reproduce that bag. Um, I'm holding out for that, by the way. I'm just gonna wait and see if, because this bag, I have, we we've been on so many tours with it. It's it's hanging by a thread in some places. I've had zippers replaced. I've had things re-sewn. Uh, it is. I've really put it through the ringer. But um, Everlane, I've already mentioned, but they make some really good bags. Our friend Colin Wright, who is the world traveler, he replaced his his uh, uh, Malcolm Fontier bag. He with, did with an Everlane bag. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, Tom Ben B I H N. Uh, make some great travel bags that a lot of people have recommended. And, of course, Mission Workshop and Manal, we, we've already recommended. Uh, I really love the folks at Mission Workshop and, and their mission. They, they, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's, their, it's in their name, Mission Workshop. Yeah. They, they create very intentional goods. You know, same with Manal. They, they create only a bag. That's the only thing they do is, is create those bags, some right? guys from New Zealand. Yeah, a couple guys from New Zealand. They started with a Kickstarter that was wildly popular, so you can definitely uh, check those out. Uh, and then 
it's not summertime, so we tend to forget about these things, Ryan. But our shorts, we, we, I I do oh, wear yeah. shorts in, in the summer. I do too. I, I wear uh, something called uh, a brand called Prana, P R A N A, and I think it's the Asana short is what I wear. And I'm I'm just going off the top of my head here, uh, and um, I wear yoga pants around the house. They're like a pair of sweat pants, basically, by a company called Four Earth. The number four hyphen R T H. <laughs> I started. I ordered a pair of large. Of four, of four Earth, and I put them on, and they're just they're just like so tight around my quads because I got these <laughs> massive man quads, like yeah, you, you said do. earlier. And then I was like, you know, how, "How much weight he lifts, Sean, at the at the gym? <laughs> all of it, all of it." <laughs> uh, and then I returned them and got extra larges and still like super tight mine, around my quads. I, I think mine are and small. Was, the, and was such a nice guy over there. Like we're emailing back and forth. I'm like, dude, these are just not working out. Can I just return these? Like, I don't the want, owner, right? I don't, like, yeah, I don't want to exchange them anymore. He's like, what's wrong with them? I'm like, my legs are just too big for your pants. Yeah. He was like, okay, no worries. They're so great for me, but my partner, Rebecca, she will often just t- take mine and wear them. I mean, that's She has bigger legs than I do because she's a, you know, a former soccer player and she's in really, really, really great shape. And so, yeah, I think my, my, uh, my yoga pants, well, they look baggier on her, but they certainly fit her. Um, yeah, I, I've, I wear those around the house. I exercise in them at the house. I do all my stretching and yoga at the house with those. And then uh, at I go to the sauna several times a week, and you and I wear the same uh, short, same brand of shorts. Miles, yeah, Miles. Is that what it is, yeah, M Y L E S. Yeah, that's correct. And and they're based out of San Francisco as well. They make really simple but also beautiful. Dude, the deep pockets, and then it's got that little like weird side pocket that goes like around your waist, kind of sort of. Uh-huh. I'm probably not explaining that right, but <laughs> but it's got like this like imagine a mitten. Uh huh. For the people listening, and uh-huh. like that's what the pocket is. Like Ryan's so holding up his hand right now in the shape of Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got like the pocket that goes down, but then like if you're if you're if you got your hand facing down and your thumb is pointing off to the left there or uh-huh. to the right. However, you have your hands. <laughs> Ryan looks <laughs> <There's> really <laughs> awesome right now. There's a there's like a little like side pocket that goes off the main pocket. Anyway, no, but they did that intentionally yes. because. They were tired of stuff falling out of their shorts. They Uh were tired of not being able to, like, you know, fit whatever it is you need to fit. But, like, I've been able to – I'm trying to think, like, the craziest thing. I've carried my Kindle in my pocket before. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so big pockets. Uh, Those shorts are a bit baggy for me, but I use them for – I mean, for me. I think they fit you great, and most people they fit great, but my legs are so thin that – uh, they're great for swimming and they're great for going to the sauna. I literally wore their shorts to a wedding. There you go. Like they're they look nice. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah they, I think they do look great. Uh, you could totally get away if you a very casual business meeting, something like that. They they do, they look really great, and you can also run a marathon in them as well. I I wear a slightly slimmer short with the with the Prana shorts, and then the last thing people often ask me about: Where do you get your red underwear? <laughs> because you've seen the documentary and you know that when I'm on the road, the way I separate my dirty and clean underwear is by having the one pair of red underwear. In fact, Bex will often look at me if I'm wearing the red underwear and she'll say, oh, it's laundry day, isn't it? Because she knows that um, I'm down to my last pair of underwear. I think it's important to know I don't own nearly as many clothes now, but I still I own enough clothes. I don't have to do laundry every day. I do laundry once a week typically. And I own I own enough to get me at least through the week, but it was absurd before, right? I could have gone months, not just a month, not just weeks, but months without without doing any laundry. And of course, when you do that, in fact, I tried that back in the days. I, I went through a whole bunch of laundry. I would 
constantly keep wearing clothes. Well, you, then you have a mountain of laundry you have to do. And then you start whittling it down. You're like, oh, I don't want to wear this. I don't want to wear this. I don't want to wear this. If you ever get that thought in your mind, like, I don't really want to wear this today. You should probably donate it. Yeah, you, sh- you should probably find someone else who can who can use that thing. I hate I hated that when I had so many clothes, like three weeks, a month worth of clothes, whatever it was. And then I went to go do laundry and it was just like piles and piles and piles of laundry. Yeah. It's just like so much easier to have like a week's worth of clothes. Of like, okay, I have to do laundry. It's like it forces you to do laundry every week. Instead and, of stressing you And you out. have to fold your clothes because, well, I mean, I guess sometimes I'll just like live out of the laundry, the clean laundry bin. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would never, ever do that. I know. Um, let's see. Uh, a couple other things. R- real quick here. A couple other brands that I found. Oh, well, I didn't even give the brand. My, my underwear is just the best underwear I've ever had is is just jockey uh it's it's yeah. jockey it, I, I wear the midway brief they're really like they're long um i wear uh actually you might like the exo exoficio i don't know exo exoficio 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 maybe that's how you pronounce it but anyway i love them man they are i like because i was i used to wear hanes uh-huh and i just they're not very durable right and they're not that super comfortable and they don't look that great like right. So yeah, I just like went through different a few different pair. Like I think I tried on Saks, which those are okay. S A X X, like those are okay. But the Ex Officio, like for me, like fit me way better, and they're super durable, and yeah, like they're they're awesome. I love them a lot. Yeah. So so my they add a lot of value. My my underwear are I just prefer really long underwear, and I found these the Mormon longest. underwear. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and so um, what else? What else? Oh, uh, real quick, I I wore some flip flops. Havanas, I think they're called, huh? um, or the flip flops I wear. Yeah, they're I they're super comfortable. I, again, I wear those to the uh, sauna, and I mean, I I wouldn't wear it because it's not great for your posture. I wouldn't wear flip flops walking around town. The pair of flip flops I have, I got because of the twenty twenty rule. Oh, nice in Australia. So twenty twenty rule. I don't know what brand they are. Is the just in case rule? Yeah, the just in case rule. So like, I did not because I packed my zero shoes and I packed some sneakers or my boots uh, t- uh, for Australia. Uh-huh. And I had a pair of flip-flops. Well, it was, actually, it was Mariah's flip-flops that I would use. And I don't want to take her flip-flops. Yeah. Even though it was like fall here, I didn't think she would wear them. But um, I was just thinking to myself, the 2020 rule, I'm like, I don't really think I need it. I am bringing them just in case. Mm-hmm. But it turned out when we were in Australia, I was like, damn, I really wish I had some flip-flops for the beach and stuff. Because like the Zero Shoes are great, except for when you're walking in the sand right because like they have a strap on the back which right. is great for walking yeah so the sand yeah will get in the in the zero shoe my feet will sweat it forms little clumps on the zero shoe which dry <laughs> i mean it's really really bad and then when you get in the water uh-huh. because they are attached to your feet like the water will grab the zero shoe right. and pull it off your foot and it breaks like that's how i that's how i will uh, usually pull the string through is like from having them in water. So right. when we were like in Gold Coast and it's like surfer town there, I was like, God, I really wish I had some flip flops. I should have brought those flip flops. But uh, yeah, we went and found a pair of flip flops for less than twenty bucks. Right, twenty Australian dollars <laughs> in less than twenty minutes. Right, <laughs> yeah. So it was. And you've uh, had them ever since. Yeah, I don't know them. the brand of them, but yeah, I still use them. Yeah, yeah. They're, and actually, they're um, the corner store brand now. Yeah, Mariah's the ones that I used of hers. Uh huh. 
those broke, so now she shares the, <laughs> the ones <laughs> that I awesome. brought back from Australia. <laughs> that is great. I wonder how long that'll last. I mean, probably a while with you two. You you, you two are able to share stuff like that. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I wear some water shoes. So speaking of water shoes, I actually wear a pair of water shoes. The a company is They're called- They're made from water? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. It's the, the, the company is called The Emperor's New Clothes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, I think it's called Shakwa. And- I wouldn't wear, I I don't really need these, and except here in Montana, we go to these um, hot springs Hot springs all the time, and I was constantly hurting my feet. Like, I went to the Boiling River and messed my foot up. I went to Jerry Johnson and messed my foot up. And, and like, you know, I'm just really clumsy, and I've, I've, I, I don't have great balance. And so, um, they, and my feet aren't even that tender, but, like, I would mess them up. <laughs> and, and so, like... Uh, uh, Ryan, you being well, no, uh, the, the tenderfoot, <laughs> I'm thinking maybe you, if, if you go to Jerry Johnson or a See, place like that. See, what people don't know is that on tour, I'm always complaining about how bad my feet hurt <laughs> because we walk so much and Josh calls me Ryan Tenderfoot Nicodemus. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's funny is my feet don't hurt when I go to Jerry Johnson and stuff, man. No, well, I, for whatever reason, yeah. like, I, it's not it's even It's the clumsy like, thing. No, I know what yeah, you're saying. It's I, like I, slip I, in and, yeah. Right. And so uh, these water shoes have, have probably literally saved my life at, at least one occasion because i fall a lot and i've hurt myself i mean i've strained muscles at jerry john like, it's just not good but with these with the water shoes on it's been it's been outstanding also you have the zero shoes uh i th- those didn't work as well for me but uh in the summer i will wear to the gym i'll wear uh, a pair of limbs l-e-m-s and um, our friend Justin Archer, who runs the PostureGuy.com, was a guy who recommended those to me, and got a lot of value from those. Um, so it's like zero shoe in terms of it feels like you're walking barefoot, but it's a full sort of sneaker. What uh, did you call it? A barefoot step? What did you call? No, it? I think it was a, a, a zero step. Maybe? Zero step. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Or, or zero instep. I I don't know. Yeah. Um, and the last thing that I have. Uh, in the winters for snow as I have some winter boots from echo. Uh, and although whenever those go bad, I'm going to replace them with the boots I recommended to you recently, because I know you've, you've fallen several times yeah. this, this winter, uh, the, what, what Becca wears and what Ella wears as well is a company called extra tough. Mm. And it's spelled really funny. I think it's X T R A T U F mm. all one word, but these are what the Alaskan fishermen wear in the, God, I just winter, looked these up. Man. These are the ugliest boots I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. <laughs> they, they are not the most aesthetically pleasing boots, but I'll tell you, man, I've seen I've seen Bex like jog on you ice before without any Bex problem. Can pull these off. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I can pull these off. And and uh, well, I think they lend themselves to a simpler wardrobe as well because they are fairly simple themselves. But they, when you talk about function over over form this is true function and and they are pretty simple and they they work in rain in in mud and snow they're just great all-around boots i have not worn a pair myself but ella and bex both love theirs so um next time i need i need some winter or rough yeah rough rather rough weather boots rice weather boots you heard it here (laughs) folks all right um oh and um Caitlin, you mentioned the documentary, and a lot of the stuff we talked about today is at least uh, from the documentary, whether it's the bag or the underwear, or you can see what we were wearing in the documentary. But uh, there is also six hours of bonus footage to that documentary. So if you want to dive a little bit deeper 
into any of those interviews that we had in the film. That bonus footage, six hours of it, over 20 videos, is available exclusively on Vimeo over at minimalismfilm.com. But Caitlin, we'd love to send you a, a free download for your question. All right, our next question is from Heidi in Alexandria, Virginia. I have purged a lot of my clothes and feel a lot lighter, which is great. Getting dressed in the morning is so much easier. But I'm in need of a couple articles of clothing, and I have no idea where to start. Every article and podcast I come across gives advice on how to get rid of clothes, not how to acquire well-made clothing. I now despise clothes shopping, which is funny given my past self, and I dread the thought of spending precious time in stores or looking online for a specific item or two. I also want to like the clothes I'm wearing, and right now, I don't. Any advice? So first off, congratulations on paring down your, your existing wardrobe to something that is more manageable and something that you do find more value in. And I think this is an important question, Ryan, because it is about how do we bring things in intentionally. Now, first off, you can, you can go back to any of the brands that we just talked about. Those are the ones that we've gotten value from. You may or may not get value from from some of those. I can tell you uh, my partner, Rebecca, she, uh, she, when I, when we met, she was definitely what I would consider to be a, a minimalist. And I think she's even become more minimalist in terms of her wardrobe over the last several years that I have known her. And the thing that I've really noticed, uh, as we've been you know, dating or living together was that at the simpler she got, the simpler her wardrobe got, mm. the more elegant it was and yeah. the better it looked on her. And quite often at our events, when we, the best dressed people are often the people that are doing the project 333 that we mentioned earlier. Yeah. If you're doing if you're intentionally limiting the things in your life, you're by definition going to have the best things. You're going to have fewer but better things. And so some questions that I would recommend asking is, you know, do I need this thing before you bring it into your life? And then what do I need it for? Right. And, and can that cover multiple grounds? Right. I mean, you mentioned earlier the the swimming trunks that you wore to the wedding. Yes. Uh, but they don't look like swimming trunks. They look like nice black shorts. Mm -hmm. you, you could get especially if it's like a beach wedding or something like that. You could totally get away with. Yeah. My favorite a, like part of the story uh, when Courtney Carver's first did Project 333 is how no one noticed that she was wearing the same stuff. Right. It's like, you know, first off, uh, people aren't paying that close attention. And That's second, such an important point, and, man. Yeah, and second, if they are paying that close of attention, they don't care. Uh, if they do care, well, then it, they're probably stuck in high school. Uh, yeah, because remember, <laughs> in high school, you couldn't wear the same T-shirt. Dude, you, you get made fun of, you wore the same T-shirt. I had to have at least 10 T-shirts and five different pairs of jeans. So I'd oh. wear the same jeans every week, but I'd never wear the same jeans two days in a row. Jeans, oh my I wouldn't wear two days in a row. I've and worn then, these pants every single day for the last several months. That's what's awesome about being in the adult world. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great point, man. Yeah. And you reminded me of uh, our friend Nina, uh, who's in Chicago. She worked at a like a pharmaceutical company in the HR department. And uh, I think it was Walgreens, actually. Mm -hmm. She worked in their HR department. And uh, as an experiment, she wrote about this. Every day for a year, she wore the same outfit. But it wasn't just like what you would wear. It was a pair of pants and a bright red sweater. Mm. The entire year, one person mentioned it to her. Now, did more than one person notice it? Yeah, maybe. But the point is that, yeah, it, no one's really going to care, and nor should they care. No. 
And, and it was just, it was a fun experiment. She doesn't still do that every single day, but it was, it was an interesting experiment to, to, to prove to herself that, oh, the things I was giving so much meaning to, they don't actually have that much meaning. So yeah, I agree with you, Ryan. Project 333 is a great way to, to implement those sort of limitations, but also enjoy your clothes more because you've, you've imposed that limitation on yourself. Project 333, by the way, doesn't mean you have to get rid of all of your other stuff. You can just box the things that aren't part of the 33 items. You can box that up and you can put it in a, you know, a basement or another room for those three months. And, and you can decide after those three months, like, oh, I'm not really wearing that stuff. Do I really need to bring it back in? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, some other things that that I recommended earlier was you know, having instead of just having one uniform, maybe find the three uniforms that work well for you. And, and, and the Project 333 might help you with that. Or you might just identify here with my three different types of uniforms. It gives me enough options, enough variety without bog bogging me down with limitless options. Well, I got a recommendation, man. There is this uh, company called uh, Stitch Fix. Uh-huh. And Mariah used this where essentially you go through, you pick out your body type, you pick out the styles you like, you pick out what occasions you're looking to dress for. And they essentially for 10, it's like 10 or 15 bucks, they'll send you a box of clothes mm. and you get to try everything on. Uh, it's, it's so well curated. Like, uh, because of the questions they ask you? Yes. Okay. And like when Mariah was doing this, she doesn't uh, subscribe anymore, um, but she needed like a few articles of clothing. She did this, and I'll tell you, man, like the experience she had, like I just remember her, everything she put on, she's like, oh my God, I love this, I love that. Because like they do such a good job of helping you curate your own personal style. Um, she would go to me for fashion advice, and I'm like, I'm like, Mariah, I go to Josh for my fashion advice, <laughs> let alone like I have no idea what to do for a woman. Well, it's funny, man, <laughs> because uh, the thing I wanted to say actually was, what do you hate about shopping? That's another question to mm. ask, because she said, I... I, I you detest shopping now. I just hate going shopping. And I do too, because the things that used to excite me, I realized were actually big stressors in, in my life. And so maybe what I hated was going to the mall or doing the window shopping or browsing online or something like that. And if a service like that, and there are other services that, that will do similar things, will curate a collection for you. Mm -hmm. Maybe that will remove the things that you hate about shopping so you can actually find yeah. the, the wardrobe that is functional for no, you. Yeah, stressing or stress stressing would shop Mariah out. <laughs> Man, we are on it with our articulation today. Yeah. Uh no, shopping would stress Mariah out and going with a service like Stitch Fix, it was a pleasurable experience. She pick out the one or two items she liked, then she send them back. Um, and she, you know, did that two or three times. Oh, the cool thing too, is like when you pen that, spend that good grief, <laughs> when you spend that 10 or 15 bucks to have the clothes shipped to you, it go, you get a credit towards the clothes. If uh -huh. you don't choose any of the clothes, then unfortunately you, you lose a 10 or 15 bucks. But if you're someone who like really does need, uh, you know, it's like Mariah at the time, she really was not happy with her work wardrobe when she was, uh, working last year. Um, in like an office setting. So she wanted to have, a, you know, a little bit of nicer clothes. Yeah. And uh, the stitch, stitch Fix like took out that stress for her. Nice. Um, yeah. So, so there are others. I don't know any of any other services off the top of my head, but yeah, there certainly are other services that, that do that. But uh, yeah. The, the last question I would ask is what are your values? And, and mm. I think that as you're, you're, you're talking about getting this new wardrobe in, into your, your home, 
one of the things to think about is what are my values? And then try to find companies that align with what those values are. Uh, Heidi, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, uh, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. In that book, Ryan and I talked about the five higher order values that we identified once we got the excess stuff out of the way. And then quite often we we will align our shopping experience, our consumption experience, our, our experience of bringing new things into our life. We, we try to go out of our way to make sure, and we're not perfect by, by any stretch of the imagination, but we go out of our way to align our dollars with companies who align with our values. So Sean, uh, that book, you, you can either send her the, the book version or it's now on audiobook as well. Um, you can send her maybe an audible download code to that. Well, everyone, we would love to hear what you have to say, right? So if you have a comment or a tip about clothing or wardrobe, including advice for any of our callers today, then leave us a voicemail at 406-219-7839. We will air our favorite comments and tips on the next episode. And here's a tip for you. Write down your message before you call. It will help you articulate your point and increase your chance of being on the show. All right, Josh. It's time to move on to our pound sign, ask the minimalists, <laughs> lightning round. Ryan, that, that's a hashtag. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All bring, right, everyone. I'm bringing the pound sign back. <laughs> You're so retro, man. Vintage. <laughs> All right, everyone. We are on uh, Twitter and Instagram at The Minimalists and Facebook.com slash The Minimalists. During this lightning round, Ryan and I do our best to answer each question with just a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. We'll also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. All right, Carla wants to know, how do you manage a wardrobe in a place that has really unpredictable weather? Like four seasons in a day sometimes. So like Montana, basically. Yeah, I was thinking she was from like England. England? I don't know why. Because I remember when we, were, when we were in England, it's like I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt and I'm sweating <laughs> like well, at 11 o'clock in the morning. And then by two, it would be foggy and all this like rainy a little bit. And all of a sudden true. I'm like, why don't I have a coat on and jeans and shoes? Yeah. We were in the UK for 29 days yeah. uh, on tour and it rained 28 days. It was unbelievable. But there was, you know, there were other times where it was certainly sunny. So yeah. Uh, well, my, my short answer is as with life, plan for the hot days and plan for the cold days. I think that's an appropriate meta- metaphor for just about anything. But I, in our documentary, Ryan, we uh, Shannon Whitehead, she's the the minimalist fashion. Yeah, yeah. She had she had something called a Versalette and uh, runs another uh, fashion company now, sustainable fashion company. And um, what what she was talking about is how fast fashion places like H and M or wherever they plan for fifty two shopping seasons a year. It's a new season every week. So as soon as you buy something and, and have left the store with it, it's already off trend. And, and you're, you're already out of trend by the time you walk out of the store in a weird way. Yeah. Um, and so instead of, of trying to plan for even four different seasons, I plan for warm and cold. And I have different layers accordingly. Like right now, the room we're in is, is relatively cold. So I have, a, I have this cardigan on over top of a T-shirt. But if it got warm, I would take this cardigan off. If it got really cold, like when I go outside, I'll put my coat on. And so I plan for the warm and, and the cold and the, the different varieties. It's a bit of a spectrum there. My minimal maxim is I can't think of one good excuse to hoard clothes. Amen. Yeah. So uh, there, there's a way to do it. Like like Josh said, get get 
items that will double up. Um, yeah, like when I think about England, like I just wish I would have worn jeans because I can wear those whether it's hot out or not. It's yeah. fine. Um, but yeah, they I can wear those during the summer, I can wear them during the winter. I mean, there's plenty of ways to plan for uh, the seasons ahead. Our next question is from Keith. Do you see t-shirts that depict pop culture one might love, for example, Star Wars, as advertising big corporations? Well, I, I think my, my short answer is I avoid logos, brands, and advertisements whenever I can. Now, so, so my really short answer would just be yes. You are, in a weird way, advertising for those corporations. That doesn't necessarily mean it's bad or evil, though, right? Uh, if you really find value in that, th- like you mentioned earlier, some people really like showing off the Tom's logo because they really love what that does in, in other countries. Or uh, the, everyone in Montana, 90% of the population seems to have a Patagonia jacket on that they've had for decades, and and they've received a ton of value from, from that. And also, the things like these logos like Star Wars or something, maybe that helps identify you with a particular tribe that you are in. Yeah. But but don't get confused. Yes, you th- that is a, a large, in this case, multinational corporation conglomerate and you just have to be okay with knowing that you are advertising for them and if you're okay with that then fine so be it but just realize that that is that is part of that process keith i would just tell you man wear what you love that's what it really comes down to just make sure what you're wearing you love our next question comes from jacob clothes are the capital of just in case items for me do you own clothes for specific but sporadic purposes well, my short answer is I own what I need and I constantly reevaluate my needs. Nice one. <laughs> Jacob, I can totally relate with you, man. Uh, dude, when I was going through the, the packing party, when I was going through all my stuff, I just remember my clothes, you know, not, not only pulling out clothes that had tags on them still or like the, you know, the, the tassel sweatshirt or <laughs> whatever. I didn't own anything with tassels on it. I don't think. Maybe like the big puffy shirts or something. But anyway. You're running my birthday present for you. <laughs> but uh, I had these paint shirts. And it was the it was the these just-in-case painting shirts. I'm not talking about like artistic painting. Right. Like let me get out my easel and canvas. I'll, I'll, I'll argue though, Ryan. You are quite the artist. Thank with, you very with much. regular wallpapering and painting. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. But, you know, it was like those just-in-case shirts for not just painting, but um, when I say painting shirts, it means that I could get paint on that shirt right and it would be okay if that shirt got ruined right uh but i typically used it for yard work um yeah if i was cleaning around the house so forth and so on but i had like 20 of these shirts Mm. in what world i mean i would have to first off like i would do that type of work maybe once a week even if you're a full-time painter you don't need 20 right (laughs) right you're right when i was a full-time painter (laughs) right working for my father Uh uh-huh uh, yeah, I had I had uh, five shirts, and I those were it was a week's worth, and I did uh, laundry every single weekend. Uh-huh. Um, but well, you know, you get these T-shirts, especially like at the corporation we worked for. They all these these like tchotchkes you would get, like right. Hey, Blackberry's in town, have a T-shirt. Right. Hey, Motorola's in town, have a Motorola T-shirt. Yeah. So I would like collect all these T-shirts, and I'm like, oh yeah, like this would be good for painting. But the problem is, is I was holding on to way too many. Sometimes they're the wrong size because they were just given to you for free. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, my answer, my short answer would be: typically, I remove items in my life I don't use at least once a year. So yeah, I've got uh, some really good snowboarding gear. Oh, which by the way is Volcom, mm. V O L C U M. I think is how it's spelled. 
Um, I'll send you. I'll send you a link, Sean. Oh, so and, and you, so you we didn't mention your coat. The coat you're wearing is from eBay. Oh yeah, it is. It's a, it a is. very gently used uh, Levi's jacket. Yes, that I took the Levi's tag off. Nice. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, the snowboarding gear I use is awesome. Like I really, it was the, it was a big investment, but this stuff will last forever, uh-huh. and it keeps me so dry, and it keeps me really, really warm. Um, but yeah, like I'll use that, uh, not once a year, but you know, during one season of the year, um, there hasn't been a ton of snow in Montana this year. So snowboarding has been a little rough this year, which kind of sucks, but, uh, I've been three or four times and, um, yeah, it, it's great. And, uh, if I don't go snowboarding, which God forbid, I will, go, you know, hopefully I, I do go snowboarding again this year before the season's over. Hopefully, hopefully we get another nice dump of snow, but if I don't, that's okay. Like, yeah, I will hold on to that and I'll use it for next season. So certainly I do have stuff for, uh, just for when, um, it, oh. I do not hold on to anything that is sporadic. Uh, when I think of sporadic, I think of like things that I may or may not need, and sporadic uh, to me sounds synonymous with with just in case. Mm, so that's a great point. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, the one year rule is what I use for my for my clothes for sure. You used the word there. You said uh, that the snowboarding clothes was, was a good investment. I like that. You you looked at it as okay. I'm going to spend a little bit more for this, and I'm going to see it as as a long term investment. And quite often, we can look at a lot of our clothes like that. Is this? And we have to be honest with ourselves because we can trick ourselves into just about anything. Well, I used to go out and get fifty dollar pair of snow pants. Uh-huh. That's what I would get every single time. And you can get some like North Face snow pants for fifty bucks. Right. But the problem is they last a season, maybe a season and a half. Uh-huh. And uh, like, pr- you know, s- as soon as I buy them, I've got holes in the back, my butt's getting wet, so forth and mm-hmm. so on. It's like, you know, it, it's, I mean, it's kind of wasteful if you think about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so buying better quality. But also the other thing I'll, I'll recommend is, I can't believe I didn't say this earlier already, but never, ever, ever go into debt to purchase clothes. Oh, yeah. If you, if you absolutely need something new, and and you can't afford it right now you need to find a way to to afford it and never put on a credit card certainly don't open up one of those gap or banana republic credit cards the average american has what uh four active credit cards in his or her wallet uh, one in ten has ten or more active credit cards. Is because of all of those sneaky little pernicious. Hey, do you want to save five percent today? Oh yeah, why not? I yeah. might as well. We're already here. Uh, oh, if I'm going to save ten percent, I might as well get one more shirt. Yeah, I, I, I'm basically getting this shirt for free for signing up for this debt. It's not a cre- credit card. It is a debt card. Don't get yourself into debt to buy clothing. Please, please, please don't do that. All right, Josh. Alyssa wants to know. Do you have any favorite secondhand or ethical clothing brands as well as good organizations to donate clothing to? Uh, well, my short answer on this one is buying used clothes, no matter the brand, is often the most ethical way to shop. So think about that for a moment. You, I, the shirt I'm wearing right now, the t-shirt I'm wearing was was uh, made in the United States, which is, is great. You know, it was, I can assume based on that it was made more ethically. Uh, uh, can't guarantee that it was obviously, but it was probably made more eth- ethically. But what is even more ethical about it is I bought this one used off of my favorite thrift shop, which is eBay. Um, uh, also, in especially in a big city, there are a lot of really great local thrift shops who who curate really nice clothes for you. But even if this shirt, Ryan, was not made in the United States, it was made in some sweatshop in in China somewhere. 
uh, instead of someone else throwing it away because that was made, if I were to purchase that thing used, it means I can prevent uh, I can prevent the the new manufacturing of some new item um, in the future by by repurposing old items. So yeah, I think finding your local thrift shop um, and also in terms of donating, I still donate a lot of stuff to the Goodwill, not just clothes, but other things as well. And uh, there's a local place called the Donation Warehouse in Missoula that I donate uh, things to. Also, uh, you can find any good organization locally over at donationtown.org. They, they'll list your, your local charities that accept different items. And in many cases, they even pick up some of those items for you. Uh, my short answer is no matter where I get my clothes, I usually wear them out before I get rid of them. So like now when I buy something, I don't, I don't buy it just in case I don't, you know, whatever it may be like You're not I, f- fulfilling a trend. I'm buying something that I love. Yes. And I know that I'm going to like wear it until I can't wear it anymore. Yeah. Oh. And ultimately I think that's the most responsible thing because even when we give our clothes to donation places, it's great. Like 5% of the clothes, um, I was reading this article in, uh, I was like Huffington Post or something, but it was basically talking about how, you know, 5% of the clothes we donate, it gets redistributed. Mm-hmm. 95% of it, it might even, it might even been more than 95%, mm-hmm. uh, goes overseas and it'll, it'll get sold at, um, it, it used goods. So like there's this whole market. Yeah. yeah. I think outside Radio Lab the, did an episode about this. Outside of the United point. States where like they will buy these vintage used clothes so like we'll get the good vintage stuff first that'll get like that'll get uh sold to vintage shops around the united states and then basically the leftovers go to other countries they will pull what they want then they send it to third world countries so forth and so on we're on down the line like a lot of the clothes you end up donating just gets burned essentially which is not good for the environment right so um wearing your clothes until you wear them out that's really the best thing to do yeah yeah it's not about finding a good charity where you can be like oh i just bought this new thing today and then i can get rid of this one thing one in one out i'm a minimalist right i mean yeah you okay great you're a minimalist but that's not very great for the environment sure and yeah so so maybe the other the other rules are is like one in 10 out was something I was doing when I was getting rid of the stuff <laughs> yeah and, and find finding organizations who will reappropriate that stuff accordingly I think goodwill does a very good job they're a great logistics company mm. meaning they 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 do a, a good job, not just with clothes, but with, with redistributing the stuff that is donated to them. But yeah, I, I'm certain that some of the clothes that, that go to them may not end up in, in the hands of other people who, who truly need them. So I think Ryan's point is, is a good one. Buy things with the intention of wearing them out. Also for some other brands, our friend Carl, who runs Minimalissimo, who I will probably talk about in a moment, uh, follow his Instagram account. I, I think it's just at Minimalissimo Mag. Now, uh, it's a magazine, Minimalissimo Magazine. He he highlights, uh, I should have mentioned this earlier, a lot of minimalist clothes that are sustainable. Mm-hmm. And so you'll, you'll be able to find some very stylish, fashionable, but also sustainable clothing that will last a, a long time. You can follow his um, Instagram account or uh, check out his website, minimalissimo.com. All right, Ryan, who else? All right, we've got, how many more do we got here? Oh, I think one more. I think this is our last one. This is from Nash. I minimized my wardrobe down to a dozen shirts, two pants, and two shoes. Only what I love. Approve? No, I think you need less than that. (laughs) 
I didn't even see a loincloth listed there. <laughs> yeah, he didn't say how much underwear he has, so he's going commando, I, I assume. Which, <laughs> bravo, bravo. Uh, you know what? Uh, my, my short answer is this, Nash. You don't need anyone's approval but your own. Mm. I mean, yeah, I can give you approval. If it makes you feel better, yes, I, I approve of that wardrobe. Um, the question is, do you approve of it? And, and is it appropriate for your life? And only you can answer that. Here's my advice, Nash, and to anyone else out there. No matter what, days are less stressful for those who can find a simple wardrobe to fit their lifestyle. Okay, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. This is where we each recommend uh, something that has added value to our lives recently. And mine will not be clothing related, I don't think. But Ryan, what, what do you have? What, what do you have that has added value to your life recently? Uh, let's see. Mariah and I recently have gotten some red LED light bulbs mm. that we put in our uh, bedroom and in our bathroom. And essentially, it's just, it's really, it's a nice soft light for when you're going to sleep, I guess. Because it eliminates that blue light. Yeah, you got that blue light with, with all of, with the white light. I mean, because the white light has... It's like the whole spectrum, right? Isn't well, that the white light has the blue light in it. Right. Yeah. So it keeps you up at night. And uh, what we've done is started to use those red lights at night, like when we're getting ready for bed and stuff. Like, you know, there's like an hour process of brushing teeth and mm-hmm. getting a glass of water and drinking calm and taking melatonin and yes. stretching, so forth and so on. But the red light really does help. It's calming. Um, it, it puts helps me to... Uh, well, it's not like this miracle thing, man. It's not like all of a sudden we got red LED lights and I'm getting the best sleep of my life. But I do notice that, yeah, like when I go to lay down, it, it it's uh, I can just fall asleep a little bit easier. You know, just something incremental, I think, definitely helps. Um, I don't have like a specific brand. We'll, we'll find something and uh, put a link in the show notes. Uh, but the other thing I did too last weekend is went to the Women's March. And, you know, I want to recommend that for anyone out there, if you are strongly... Uh, opposed or strongly for something like you know the Keystone Pipeline. There are people out there who are strongly opposed to it. Uh, uh, some people who are strongly for it. If you are someone who has uh, a lot of feelings towards one thing or the other, do something about it. Mm. Take action. Yes. Don't just yell on Facebook. Don't just yell on Twitter. Go do something. The the the, the Women's March was great. It wasn't just about. Um, you know, an anti-Trump rally. It wasn't. It wasn't just about uh, you know women's rights. It, it certainly included women's rights, and there were certainly some anti-Trump people there. But really, it was people getting together saying, "Hey, uh, we are very aware that people's rights are being infringed on right now, and uh, especially when you see like the, you know, just like the discrimination laws they're passing in." North Carolina and and some of these are getting vetoed, uh-huh. but at the end of the day, like people's rights are, uh, they are getting uh, treaded on a little bit right now. And this was just a way for people to go out and say, "Hey, um, we're not gonna, we're not going to uh, just throw our hands in the air and say, okay, you can pick and choose who's equal and who's not equal." Um, but at the end of the day, like it was a very peaceful rally. One percent of Montana's population showed up. I mean, it was like ten thousand people in Helena. Wow! On I mean, the that, front that's half, that's half the population of Helena. Yeah, it was crazy, man. But it was really, really cool. But but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like I'm, I was the type of person who, you know, like we'll be at, we'll have a an event, and you know, there's always. Not always, but sometimes someone will stand up and they're like, "You guys need to organize protests, and we got to fight the man." And uh-huh. and like our answer is, you'll never see us holding up a picket sign. Now I still haven't held up a picket sign. Uh-huh. I didn't hold up any picket signs when I went to the the women's march. Um, but I I w- was that person that would say, "Oh, you know, I'm never going to go protest," but I don't really have a good reason for it. Like I never really had a good reason for why I wouldn't protest as as much as 
well, I didn't really feel like it would do that much good. But at the end of the day, when I don't have a great reason to not do something, then I will typically go out of my way to make myself uncomfortable and try it out. And I thought, you know, this was a good, good thing to go and and try. And I'm really glad I did it. In fact, it it just kind of helped me to, I don't know, just maybe want to go to more, more events and stuff. Like as, as time goes on, depending on how bad things get, I don't, I'm not anticipating them to be bad. Um, but if things continue to go worse then yeah, like if, you know, I, I have no problem going and, and, uh, meeting with some like-minded people, open-minded people and standing up for what I believe in. But I'll tell you what doesn't work shouting on Facebook. Mm. That is like the least effective. I think we need to talk about things. I think we need to be aware of things. But if you're only shouting on Facebook, well, then you're just adding to the noise. Take action. Write a letter to your congressman. Make a phone call. Write an email. Go out to protest something. But don't just sit there and yell on Facebook. Yeah, I I totally agree. Because in fact, I think it does less than nothing because it apes the form of productivity. It makes us quite often feel like we are doing something when we're not actually accomplishing anything. We're, we're sort of spinning our wheels, which is, is worse than going anywhere, and it's worse than not moving. It, it, it's just literally spinning your wheels, and in this case, figuratively spinning your wheels on social media. Those can be tools, and you can express your, your outrage for a situation, but that should augment the, the action that we're taking. Yeah. Like, like you said, no matter which side of the argument you're on, if you really strongly believe in something, if you're really passionate about something or you're really angered by something, the best way to address that passion or that anger is to take action about it. Uh, and speaking of, of both sides of the thing, quite often I will educate myself um, through podcasts and, and educate myself on different opinions uh, from the world. So I'm going to recommend two different podcasts. They're going to provide you with two different world views and then you can tweeze out the parts that you like and disagree with the 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 parts you dislike and hopefully make your argument stronger that way uh one of the the podcasts is called best of the left and it's a guy we know his name is jay it's an award-winning podcast and he does a great job of tweezing out clips from a bunch of different left-leaning organizations so um everywhere from tom hartman to the Young Turks, to TED Talks, and NPR, and a bunch of other places that, that are, have, have a left, uh, left-leaning left opinion. And then I will I'll bump that up against uh, the Tom Woods show. Tom Woods is not just a libertarian, he is an anarcho-capitalist, so a, a, a far libertarian, uh, far right on some issues, very far left on other issues, but a completely different worldview from someone like Jay over at the Best of the Left, who is more socialist. So you have a socialist podcast, and then sort of this this awesome. anar- anarcho-capitalist podcast. We'll put links to both of those in the show notes. There was one other podcast that I really found value in uh, this week, Ryan. Uh, Steve Patterson. He had a long two-part conversation with T.K. Coleman. And, and it was about race relations, which, my goodness, talk about one of the hardest things that you could ever have to talk about is, is yeah. talking about race and modern-day race relations. And I think I think Steve, uh, which, by the way, his name of his podcast is called Patterson in Pursuit. I think Steve and TK have similar opinions on certain economic issues and maybe even uh, certain politics as well. I'm, I'm not really sure about that. But uh, Steve is, is a white guy. Uh, T.K. Coleman is a black man, and they have a very long and intelligent conversation without yelling, without shouting, but with disagreeing. They disagree with each other quite a bit in this conversation, and I think they both learned something from the conversation, and I know I certainly did as well. 
Uh, the last thing I have to recommend is just this past week. So Bex and I, we, we went out to, um, we were staying, when you were at the Women's March, we were at, we stayed at this uh, house in the middle of nowhere, off the grid, and man, it was gorgeous. I posted a picture on, on my Instagram, and I mean, it's literally, you can't see another light anywhere. There, you see thousands of elk, and you have to have bear spray in case a bear comes along. They, they actually provided it at the house we were staying at. And uh, I, I woke up one morning, it, I thought I was on the moon, but then I see like all these deer outside the window. So I'm on the moon with deer. Um, and <laughs> I know you've been to the moon. It, it's, it's so, <laughs> man, it was so picturesque. It was unbelievable. That's not what I'm recommending though. One of the albums we played most of the weekend, uh, because we were actually down, it was in, we were in Paradise Valley. And who lives in Paradise Valley? John Mayer. There's a lot of celebrities that live in Paradise Valley. Yeah, yeah. and and he he just had well he's putting out this album in waves. It's, mm. His album is called The Search for Everything, mm. and the first four songs to that just came out. So you can find that wherever you get good digital music. The Search for Everything, and we were playing or it. Or good vinyl music. I'm sure it's on vinyl somewhere. <laughs> I, I would hope if if that's really your thing. But yeah, John Mayer, The Search for Everything, Wave One is out there right now. And it's a it's a great album to play, or at least a, I, I guess technically it's an EP right now. It's four songs. Um, it's great to play. Yeah, if you have a weekend away and you just want to put it on repeat and uh, and stare at the scenery, it was it was truly amazing. <laughs> you just put it on repeat for four songs the whole weekend. That must be an amazing four songs. It, it is an amazing four songs. Yes, indeed. All right, well, let's move on to right here, right now. This is where we get to start talking about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. Less is now tour. I already talked about that, but you can find tour dates. Subscribe to our email newsletter to be the first to know over at theminimalists.com slash tour. I also mentioned our Love People Use Things wallpaper, which you can find at theminimalists.com slash lovepeople. You can get that for your desktop and or your phone. One thing I'm really excited about, Ryan, our side project, which is called Minimalism Life. You can go to minimalism.life. That's the, the domain for that side project. We teamed up with some folks we really respect. Uh, Minimalissimo, who I mentioned earlier, I love Carl's design. Carl is a, such a talented designer. It's unbelievable yeah. what he's able to accomplish. And, um, and then also um, the folks over at Five Style, which is minimalist travel. So it's the minimalist's minimalissimo and five style we all came together to give our perspective on minimalist design and architecture which would be carl's uh, uh his contribution and then uh, minimalist travel which would be five styles contribution and then minimalist well-being and that that is our contribution and we just launched the website over there minimalism.life you can check out the uh, weekly journal. You can check out the monthly letter that we have for free. Also, a bunch of other wallpapers over there. Uh, quotes uh, from me and Ryan are are there on the site, and um, we have quarterly volumes. So it's like an online magazine. That that one requires a subscription, but I just wrote uh, three brand new essays for the winter uh, subscription, and this one's all about silence and stillness. And I think a lot of people will find value in that. Also, it's about space, creating space in your life. And also, we're looking for contributors for the, the uh, weekly journal uh, on the site. So if you want to write about simplicity or minimalism or letting go or anything else, design, space, etc., uh, you we welcome your, your contributions. You can find all of that over at minimalism.life. And also, follow it on uh, the Instagram, especially the Instagram account is amazing. Beautiful. Yeah, wow. minimalism.life. 
Uh, Carl has been curating that, and it is so, I mean, the pictures, he, he has these different themes. He'll do like nine pictures in a row with just a touch of orange in them or a touch of blue, and it, it's just, it's unbelievable. You have to, you have to see it to really believe it. Uh, also on Twitter, <laughs> my, I haven't noticed the touches of color because my I have the my iPhone on grayscale. Oh, nice! <laughs> now it makes me want to put it back in. <laughs> you can switch over for a moment and for check moment out the color. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. really That's gorgeous. Cool. Also on uh, Twitter, we we got the handle at uh, minimalism on Twitter, so you can check it out there. Uh, it's also on Facebook. Uh, you can just search for minimalism life on Facebook. Uh, let's see what else do I got here. Oh, um. Ryan and I just relaunched our How to Start a Successful Blog Guide. So 100% free. You can find all the details. How Ryan and I started our website, Soup to Nuts Approach, from not knowing how to spell HTML to having four or five million readers on our blog. Exactly how we did it. So it's called How to Start a Successful Blog in 2017. That's the updated version. You can find that at theminimalists.com slash blog. And it has things like 20 recommendations for your blog, 15 reasons you should start a blog, three reasons you shouldn't start a blog, uh, those types of things. It also walks you through the exact step-by-step process Ryan and I use to start theminimalists.com. Uh, finally, to keep this podcast 100% advertisement-free, which is what we intend, if you want to support us, you can. You just go to theminimalists.com slash donate. If you just want to donate a buck an episode, you, or you can donate on a monthly basis, whatever works best for you. If you can afford that, that's great. If you can't afford it and you still want to contribute in some way, leave us a review on iTunes. That would be wonderful. Ryan, you got anything else? No, I don't, man. All I have left for us are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Hi, my name is Kathleen and I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm calling to respond to episode 52 on stress. I have two tips for Tasha, the teacher. I am also a teacher. I teach a writing class for 11th and 12th graders, and grading papers is always very time-consuming. I'm not convinced that there's a way around that, even though I've been trying for years now. I have discovered that with writing, my students learn a lot more when they edit and correct their work. So I'd like to suggest that Tasha have students grade their own papers. You shouldn't do this with every paper, but you can easily set up a system where students grade their own papers every now and then. You can write a worksheet that asks them to identify key parts of their paper, like topic sentences and supporting points and conclusion sentences, and grade their own work. You can customize your worksheet to fit whatever concept you're covering at that part of the school year. And you can also have students trade with each other and grade each other's papers. Both options require some setup and structure put in place first, but it's a wonderful way to help students learn what mistakes they're making in their writing without having you just tell them what they're doing wrong. Second, I heard this on another podcast, but I think it's a great piece of advice. Your district probably only requires a certain number of grades per semester or per quarter. Most teachers actually give out more grades than they have to. So look into the requirements for your district and district and talk to the administration at your school about how many numerical grades you need to give out and see if what you're doing is more than is required. Teaching can be really rewarding work, but it is a lot of work. I want to encourage Tasha to look up new methods of teaching and talk to other teachers about how they manage the workload. It can get better. I wish you all the best and hope the rest of the semester goes well for you. Hi, my name's Cassidy. I live in St. Pete, Florida. I was just listening to the podcast about impulses, and I was listening to Erica talk about her small business and 
how she gets stressed out kind of over other people's consumerism. And I was just thinking, like, you know, for the example she gave about the lady buying more yarn when she already had so much, if that's something that stresses her out, she can maybe try doing, like, workshops or offer some sort of incentives. I don't know what else she sells, but maybe have some sort of event where people bring in their old yarn and there's some sort of craft where she can educate or how to utilize what people already have or maybe something like an incentive where people come in, bring their excess that they're not using, and that can be given uh, a discount towards the people purchasing something else, and then utilize that those items for maybe some sort of event that helps people in the community, whether it's a free event or something for children or senior citizens, something where you can give back, and that way those materials are being used again that aren't being used by the people who already have them, and then people are also kind of reallocating their resources um, that they're not utilizing in their own home and thus minimalizing what they have and helping others. So that was just something when I was listening to that that I thought could be really helpful. You know, she's very passionate and loves her um, business that she has going on. So that way it's not like, oh, I have to give up and try something all new and start all over and potentially have the same problems all over again. This might be a solution to where it causes less stress for her, for Erica, and her business, and then she's also kind of providing to her clientele as well as her community. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalist, give us a call, 406-219-7839, and if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this, love people and use things, because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for and you gotta grab oh i bet that you'll be fine without it so tear your eyes away or tear